Well, good morning, church. Hey. Uh, if you're a guest, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad uh, that you chose to be with us uh, today. Those of you watching online, glad you are tuned in uh, as well. Um, as many of you know, we are in a series called uh, Count on It, and we are studying these, uh, these promises in God's Word. And of course, we don't have time to look at all the promises in God's Word. If we did that, we'd be in this series for years. Um, but we are going to be in it for um, a few weeks, just looking at some key promises that I'm hoping will, will lead to some transformation in our lives as we begin the new year. And uh, what I've said is just as you were able to come in here um, this morning, sit down in those seats and just trust that those seats, right, we're going to hold you up. Many of us didn't question it, right? You just kind of sat down. Um, I said in the same way, that kind of faith that you can just sit down into something is the same kind of faith God wants us to have when it comes to his promises. He wants us to be able to sit in them. He wants us to be able to rest our lives in the promise he, he, he gives. But I also said Every promise in the Bible comes with a condition of some sort. There is something on our end that we need to consider doing if we want these promises fulfilled in our lives. And I bet you some of us uh, have some things in our life that just aren't working right now, some things in our life we wish were changed, we, we wish were different. Um, and, and maybe the key to that is you, you, you need to change some, some of the ways you're doing things in your life. Maybe you need to shake some things up as we begin the new year. Maybe you need to start asking how you can meet some of these conditions that will lead to these promises being experienced in your life because that's what God ultimately wants. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at this topic. We're going to look at the topic of, of prayer, the topic of prayer. And what I find when it comes to the topic of prayers, there's a lot of questions that come with uh, this topic. And uh, because we don't always understand it, um, it, it, it leads to many of us not, not praying, at least as much as, as we should. It, it makes me think of the story of the two brothers who were spending the night at grandma's house. And uh, the little brother, uh, just before bed, he kneeled down at his bedside and he, and, and he kind of yelled out and he said, God, please give me a new bike for my birthday. And uh, his older brother hearing this said, you know, little brother, you don't have to be so loud. God can hear you just fine. And that's when little brother said, I know, but grandma's in the other room and she can't. Um, I've learned that many of us uh, don't understand prayer. And maybe if some of us were to be honest, maybe some of us don't really believe in the power of and so what I want to do this morning is I want to start off by looking at some of the amazing promises that Jesus himself gives us when it comes to this topic of prayer. Let me just read to you a few of the promises, okay? This is from Matthew 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
Matthew 21, Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, Jesus had just caused something to happen to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. In Mark 11, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 14, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 16, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Does this get anyone excited to pray? This is a lot of promises that Jesus gives us, but I bet it also raises some questions for us as well. And today, we will try to answer some of those questions. Primarily, does this just give us a blank check? <laughs> Can I just ask God anything, and God's going to give me anything I ask? We will talk about that. It's important that we understand that commentators um, say that the language Jesus is using here, it's primarily believed that he's using a form of speech called hyperbole. Uh, hyperbole is, is, uh, is, is it's exaggeration to make a, a greater point or exaggeration to bring about a greater end. Okay? And, and Jesus did this quite often in his teaching. He used hyperbole quite, quite a bit. Uh, in Matthew 5, listen, he talks about if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay? Now, uh, from, from <laughs> elsewhere, we know that Jesus teaches it's the heart that has to change. Okay? So he's not advocating anyone mutilate themselves. Unfortunately, people over the years have not understood this form of speech called hyperbole and have done things to themselves that Jesus was not advocating for. That's why we need teachers and people who understand these things to help instruct us. But if you took this in a wooden, literal sense, <laughs> you would come away doing something that God doesn't intend for your life. The greater point is avoid sin because it can lead to devastating consequences. Do whatever you need to do to, 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 to have a heart change so that you don't end up in hell. In Luke 14, Jesus says, large crowds were traveling with him, we read, and, and uh, he turned to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not, you know this passage? Hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Is Jesus here advocating that we should hate our family? Of course not. Right? Jesus teaches us over and over and again, we're supposed to love, we're supposed to forgive, we're supposed to show grace. His point here, though, is that my, your allegiance to me needs to be so much higher than anything else, including your family. That it needs to be in comparison almost as if you hate them because of the comparison difference. That's how 
Your allegiance to me needs to look in your life. Okay, so we see that this is something that Jesus uh, uses as a teaching device. Um, we do this all the time, by the way, too. Anybody been eating something and you, you said something like, I could eat a million of those. Anybody ever said that? My kids say that when they're eating candy. You know, I could eat a, I could eat a million. Well, that's hyperbole, all right? Um, some of you, maybe you come in today and you're, you're, a, little, you're a little tired, right? Don't, don't fall asleep during the message, okay? Um, but you say, I could, I could sleep for a year. <laughs> I see some of you nodding, saying, yeah, that's true. That, that's hyperbole. Uh, some of you might be eating something that that is to die for. Yeah, it's a little, a little much, you know, especially when you're eating like a quarter pounder from McDonald's. That's a little much, okay? Um, how about this one? I could listen to Pastor Brent's teaching all day long. Yeah. Oh, see, that's not even, I know, that wasn't even hyperbole for some of you. You, you mean it. And that's because this is the greatest church that has ever existed in God's kingdom, right? And I mean that. I believe that. We use, see, we use this every day. Jesus used this language. And I think it's important that when we, we, we understand that hyperbole is used, is you're making a greater, you're, greater, greater point. You're saying, I really enjoy this thing. Or I could sleep for a long time. And, and what Jesus is really trying to do here is he's trying to bring about an intended of, a desire. He's just trying to get us to pray. Okay, because this is a time in Israel's history where they've been subjected, they've been put in bondage to Rome. Uh, they're, in a sense, slaves. Okay, on a national level, they're, they're basically enslaved to Rome through high taxation. Rome can basically ask anything they want them to do, and they are required to do it. So Israel, God's people, finds themselves in bondage, right? Finds themselves under the yoke of Rome. And what so often happens in our lives when things don't make sense? We, we tend to lose some faith. And, and, and we might find ourselves stop, you know, not praying as much or praying at all. And so what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to create a revival. He's trying to spark the Israelites to pray again, okay? He wants to get us today praying, maybe for some of us praying again. And the question is why? You know, why, why should we pray? And uh, it really comes down to this, because when we start praying, friends, good things start to happen. That's why Jesus is encouraging us to pray. When, when you start praying, good things start to happen in your life and in the lives of those around you, in the community you live in, in the world you live in. When we pray, good things start to happen. A lot of people treat prayer like it's just talking to yourself. Uh, even Christians sometimes just treat prayer like it's talking to God. And, and, and hear me out for a second. Don't get me wrong. Ultimately, we pray to deepen our relationship with God. The ultimate reason God wants us to pray is because it, it does. It, it deepens our relationship with him. It connects our heart with him. And as I've prayed over the last, you know, uh, 20 years of my life, I would say it has aligned my heart more with God's heart. There's just been more alignment in, in our lives through things he said yes to, through things he, he, he didn't say yes to, and it had to align my heart. And I've learned to go deeper in my walk with him through prayer. But prayer is not just talking to God, okay? 
Um, Jesus is being very clear in these promises. He's saying, when you pray, good things will start to happen. It changes things. It begins to change the reality in which you live in. So why do we pray? We pray because when we pray, good things start to happen. Uh, I told you guys this story last year. Uh, I have been praying now for two years. It didn't happen immediately. I've been praying two years that God would uh, (laughs) restore my sight to me. Uh, For 10 years, I've worn glasses. I've worn contacts. And, and so over the, over the last two years, not all the time, but I've occasionally stopped and prayed and said, God, I just really don't like wearing glasses. Would you just pr- please heal my eyesight? Would you just please give me 2020 vision again? And last year was the year. I'm just telling you, some of you were here. I did a video. I, sh- I went into an eye doctor here at the church. Guys, I have 2020 vision now. 2020 vision, okay? God restored my um, eyesight to me. And some might say, uh, well, that's just a coincidence. It seems like a lot of coincidences seem to happen in my life after I pray. And uh, I would just tell you, maybe God used providential means. Maybe I got kicked in the head somehow. And I didn't realize it. And it just, however God chose to bring that about in my life, here's what I can tell you. I was partially blind and now I see. <laughs> okay. And so you think I'm not glad I prayed? When we pray good things, start to happen. Now, if you notice something, Jesus gave us a bunch of conditions. I I wonder if you heard that. You know, when when, uh, we were reading out uh, the things Jesus was saying, uh, there there seemed to be quite a bit of conditions that that came with him. There were things that were required on our end, Jesus made it sound like, if we were to experience our prayers being answered. So let me just give you four of them, the four that we saw with those promises I read. Here's the first one. The first thing is obvious. We need to ask. If you're taking notes, by the way, this would be a great time to take notes, something you could work on this week. It starts by just asking. It's not just talking to God. There are times where we need to make petitions, where we need to ask God to do something in our life. James 4.2 says, you do not have because why? You do not ask God. Okay, so there are things in our, in our lives we need to go to God and we just need to be clear. We just, we need to say, God, this is what I need. And I have um, prayed with lots of people over the years and I've noticed there's kind of this pious thing that people, especially in the church, are tempted to do, which is like if somebody is maybe struggling with a health crisis or something like that, they'll say, they, they, they'll say something like, and you say, how can I pray for you? Pray that God gives me strength to endure. And don't get me wrong, that's a great prayer and probably should be part of the prayer request. But we all know that really what you want is healing. And you know what, it's okay. It's okay to say that's what I really want. God, that's what I really want. C.S. Lewis, he talks about this in one of his books. He says it's no use to ask God with earnestness for A when our whole mind is in reality filled with the desire for B. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. What what C.S. Lewis is getting to here is we need to be honest. And you know, you can get so busy even in your Christian life. I was thinking about that this week. This has happened to me. You get so busy in your Christian life, you stop even realizing what it is you really want. You stop dreaming. You stop taking the moment. What is it, God, I would like to ask you to do uh, in my life? 
And so maybe that's something we need to do this week. We need to stop and just be honest with ourselves. What is it we'd like to see God? And then go to him and be honest. It starts with asking, okay? The second condition is believe. We need to believe when we pray. We need to believe and trust that, that God is good and that God can do it. Um, author uh, John Bazzagno, uh, he tells this story of his daughter coming to him while he was reading the newspaper. And uh, she says, Dad, would, would you build me a dollhouse? And uh, he's kind of busy and distracted. He's like, sure, sure, honey, I'll build you a dollhouse. And next thing he knows, his daughter comes downstairs and, and starts lining up her dolls. And he says, honey, what, what are you doing? I'm getting my dolls ready for the, for the dollhouse. And so what did the dad do? <laughs> he went and grabbed his hammer, got the nails, got some wood, and built her the dollhouse. And the daughter had expectation. Friends, that, that's how God wants us. Do you, do you realize when you're coming to God, you're coming as his child, and that he is a good father, and you come with that expectation that God wants to lavish good things on me, his child. I'll just say it. I feel like too many Christians live in this thing called the poverty gospel. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't want to be in the prosperity gospel where it's always about worldly things and that's all you care about. Okay, that's dangerous too. But then there's also this poverty gospel. Where, where people, it's almost like you wear it as a badge of honor how much you suffer. I don't think that's the heart of the Father at all. Yes, at times we are going to have struggles, and at times we will have to endure, but that doesn't mean God doesn't want to pour out good things on your life. And I want to challenge this church, especially as you enter the new year, to make the request and to believe that he's a good father and not live in this place of the poverty mindset. God wants to do more than we probably realize in all of our lives, okay? So we need faith. We need faith in understanding who we are and who he is. The third one I would give us is persevere. This is another one of the conditions we saw. Jesus, when he says, ask, seek, knock. In the Greek, this is in the cont uh, continuous present form, okay? And so it's this idea, you, you, sometimes with God, you have to continue doing something. You have to continue asking. He's, he's, it's like he's waiting to see how badly do you really want it. Do you really want that thing you're asking me for? It's, it seems like that. Like sometimes God is waiting to see. How much do you really want? Are you going to ask one time and then walk away? Or is it something you're going to keep coming to me in faith with? There's a story in 2 Kings 13 that haunts me a little bit. And it's about this king, uh, Jehoash. Um, and Jehoash is at war. He's the, he's the king of Israel, and he's being uh, surrounded by and sort of uh, plagued by um, the, the nation of Aram. Uh, Aram keeps uh, causing problems and, and trying to invade, and so they're constantly at war with Aram. And he comes to the prophet Elisha asking for help and direction and uh, for God to intervene. And it's, it's a really interesting story, Elisha um, tells Jehoash to take some arrows and to pound them on the ground. So Jehoash takes the arrows and uh, boom, boom, boom. He pounds the floor three times with these arrows. And then we're told that Elisha gets upset with him. He says, okay, so this battle you're currently in, 
God is going to give you the victory because you hit the floor three times. But he says, if you would have hit the floor five or six times, God would have given you complete victory and you would win the war. And I got to tell you, that story kind of haunts me. And I hope it'll haunt us a little bit because the point is, don't give up. Put your heart into it. Sometimes God is waiting to see how badly do you really want it. And it's certainly one of the conditions that he's looking for in our, in our prayer life. Which is why I would say, if he doesn't give you an obvious no, you keep asking. And you keep asking with faith. Okay, but there's one more condition. And this is the condition to pray in Jesus' name. Did you catch that? Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name will be done to you. Okay, what that means is we're coming to the Father in the authority that we have through Jesus. Uh, it's kind of like this. Um, recently, my son was pelting his sister with snowballs. Okay, that time of year, right? And she was getting annoyed. She Dad, Logan keeps throwing snowballs at me. So I said, uh, go and tell her that your father says to stop it. So she went and said, Dad says to stop throwing snowballs at me. Well, he kept throwing snowballs. So then... He can't, you know, Kayla comes back in the house and it was this time, now tell Logan, mom said to stop throwing the snowballs. And uh, let's just say no more snowballs were thrown after mom's name was invoked, okay? Uh, but that's like what we're doing. We're coming to the Father and saying it's in Jesus' name that, that we're asking these things, okay? We, we do need to have, we, we need to recognize this. This is really important for your prayer life. Uh, you'll probably notice every time I pray, I end my prayer with what? We pray this in Jesus' name, okay? And that's not a ritual. That's not a formula, okay? When I mean that when I pray that. What I'm saying is, Father, I come into your throne room on the basis of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for my life. He died for my sin. He cleansed me of my sin. He reconciled me to you. And it's in his powerful name, not mine, his name, that I can now come boldly before you and you hear my request. Okay, friends, we need to understand there's power in the name of Jesus. And I encourage you, when you come before the Father, invoke the name of Jesus. Um, uh, letting the Father know you realize it's because of what Jesus has done for you that you are given access. That's how we bring glory to our God, Okay. It's what he's maybe waiting for in some of your lives. So here's the four conditions, all right? We ask, we believe, we got to persevere at times in our prayer life uh, for what we're praying for, and then we, we come in the name of Christ. And if you do this, it's a blank check and you get whatever you ask, right? <laughs> Nobody's with me on that, huh? Yeah, that's because we, we, we've all probably prayed and maybe even met all of these conditions, and, and, and the answer was still no. Uh, you know, Paul prayed three times that the thorn in his flesh would be taken away. We don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. The thorn in the flesh could have been an illness he was experiencing, or it could have been just be, he was constantly being tormented by a group of people who were getting in the way of his ministry. But he prayed three times, pleaded with the Lord, and then God made it absolutely clear to him the answer is no. 
And, and friends, I think that's why we need to be really careful that we, we never judge people or uh, assume someone's doing something wrong because they don't have something answered in their life. Um, I think that would be a great evil on our part if we, if we did that. Uh, Paul certainly was praying and meeting these conditions, and the answer was still no. Sometimes the answer is going to be no. I, uh, you know, Danielle and I had a friend uh, we did ministry with, and uh, she got stage four colon cancer. And um, by the time they discovered it, it had spread through all of her body. And um, we prayed. I would tell you, we met all of these conditions. We asked for specific healing. We believed it was going to be done. You know, we, we, we persevered meeting regularly to pray for her. And uh, we prayed and invoked Jesus' name. And yet, just recently, Danielle and I were visiting her, her gravesite. She was 30 years old. You know, some things we understand why God says no to. Sometimes we understand that must not have been what's best for my life. Sometimes we understand that there's a conflict in that prayer. For example, two football teams praying against each other for victory. Right, we get that. But what about when we pray for noble things and we pray for good things? And the answer is still no. That can leave us with a bruised heart, can it? How do we make sense of that? Why does that happen? I don't know. I don't have the answer, at least specifically. I don't know why God sometimes chooses to say no, but here's what I do know. I know he's a good God, and I know he has a good plan for my life, and I know he has a good plan for your life, and I know he has a good plan for the world, but here's what we have to understand. His plan has eternity in mind. His highest priority is eternal things, and it's, it's the building of his kingdom. More than sometimes my temporal wants or even the good things I want in this life, I have to be reminded that God is seeing things that I can't see and has a perspective that I don't have. The illustration I've used before, and it's kind of a weird illustration, and I know that because people have come to me afterwards and said, that was a weird illustration, okay? But I want you to imagine with me ants that are walking a path that they don't understand. And they're going, I don't understand. It's a smooth path, but there's like brown color over here and there's black patches over here and there's tans here and it's all moving around. And we do not understand where we are going or what this is leading to as they walk. But then you zoom out and you realize that they're walking over the Mona Lisa. They are walking over a masterpiece that they cannot see and they cannot appreciate. And friends, what I want to remind us is that while things happen in life that we don't always understand, God is painting a masterpiece. And one day, we are going to see all things culminated. And we are going to be with Christ and we are going to look back and we are going to see how God was working out all things to maximize his glory and to maximize our joy. 
And in that day, we're going to celebrate. And we're going to realize that everything God was doing was for a greater good, even if we couldn't understand it at the time. Friends, that is the hope that we have. And so sometimes we just have to have faith. And isn't that what faith really is? It's when you don't know why things happen. I mean, if God just told us everything, gave us the reason for everything, I probably wouldn't have to live with much faith. Isn't real faith having to trust him? Even when I don't know why. So for me, what this boils down to, like what's my philosophy on prayer? For me, it comes down to this. I am going to keep praying bold, tenacious prayers, but I'm going to let God sort it all out. Friends, there's just a mystery to prayer. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep praying bold, tenacious prayers, and I'm going to let God figure out all the details and figure out what's best. And I'm not gonna let a few no's in my life get in the way of a thousand yeses. And when my heart gets bruised, I'm gonna remember that God is a good God and that he has a good plan that's eternal in nature that I can't always understand. And so I told you, I I said, you know, one of the reasons Jesus was trying to spark prayer for the Israelites He wanted to get them praying again. And they did. They started praying. And here's what just blows my mind. Okay? Starts with 12 men, right? And they start praying. And they start praying. And not even 300 years later, there's going to be a Christian named Constantine who is going to rise up in power and sit on the throne of Rome. And Constantine's mother is a Christian. And Constantine himself is going to become a believer. And now the emperor that sits on the throne of the most pagan empire that's ever existed is a Christian. And when we look back on history, we don't call it the Roman Empire. We call it what? The Christian Roman Empire. The most pagan empire that has ever existed transformed to becoming called the Christian Roman Empire. Why? Because 12 men began praying. And when we pray, good things start to happen. Church, maybe it's time we started praying a little more, amen? Maybe it's time we started seeing what God wants to do in our lives and in this church and through this church for his glory and his eternal kingdom. Are you going to join me in that as we begin this new year? Let's become a church that prays. By the way, we have a prayer ministry team after every service that would love to pray for you. And I could tell you story after story of uh, things that we've seen fulfilled and answered through that ministry. So maybe you want to consider coming up after service today, having one of them pray for you. But let me close this in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father... uh, I know there's many of us in here that have some requests we need to lay at your feet. Maybe this is just a moment to think about what that is. I'm praying and hopeful that people this week are going to take time to get real with you. 
that they're going to be reminded they don't have to hide from you. (laughs) No matter what sin they're struggling with today or feeling guilty about. I pray we'll be reminded that uh, because of Christ, imperfect people can come into your presence, ask for forgiveness, be cleansed, and make our requests known to you. So I pray nothing will get in our way of doing that this week, Lord, as your people. And I want to pray for our church this year, God, and we're going to exercise some faith here and believe that you are going to do incredible things this year through Edinburgh Church that more lives are going to be impacted, more lives are going to be transformed, that we're going to see more people come to know Jesus as their Savior and the leader of their life. Lord, I would ask that we would (laughs) see miracles take place in this place and through your people. And so, God, we're coming with faith today. We're coming believing that you want to use this church for your glory, our joy, to build your kingdom here on earth. And so will you do that? We're going to ask this and we're going to pray this in the name of Jesus who makes this request possible. And all God's people said, amen.